The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast, the home of conscious curated content to help you with your journey through life, all while learning, laughing, and loving. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. I'm Diane Ray, co-founder of the network, and I am so glad you can join the conversation today. We are very excited that we were able to partner with an incredible documentary film called Gratitude Revealed, directed by acclaimed cinematographer Louis Schwartzberg, who also directed the breakout hit Fantastic Fungi. This film challenges us to take a look around us and ask ourselves, what are we grateful for? How can we tap into the power of gratitude? And how can we become better human beings for the sake of all of us? Featuring cutting-edge research and Louis' intimate conversations with everyday people, thought leaders, and personalities, the film reveals that gratitude is a proven pathway back from the disconnection we feel in our lives, disconnection from ourselves, our planet, and each other. Louis and the producers of the film are on a mission to get as many people as possible to see this movie, and we at MindBodySpirit.fm have offered to help. And we're so excited to have the director, Louis Schwartzberg, with us today. Welcome, Louis. Great to be with all of you. I'm so happy that you could join us. And Louis has agreed to join in the conversation today with a panel of our MindBodySpirit.fm podcasters who have all seen the film, and they're all eager to talk with Louis and share their unique perspectives about the film and how gratitude can change lives. With us are Philip Goldberg, Cynthia Ocelli, and Dr. Stephen Farmer. And no one has been coached or given any leading questions or anything before today. So this will all be coming from the heart. And we're calling it free range questions. So I don't know what's going to be asked. And we're kind of just ready to go. We're going to have the panelists talk with Louie and ask some questions. So first up, first batter up here is Philip Goldberg, and he's the host of the Spirit Matters podcast. And Philip has studied the world's spiritual traditions for more than 50 years as a practitioner, teacher, and author. And his essays have appeared in numerous publications. He's authored or co-authored more than 25 books, including Road Signs on the Spiritual Path, the award-winning American Veda from Emerson and the Beatles to Yoga and Meditation, How Indian Spirituality Changed the West, and the seminal biography, The Life of Yogananda, the story of the yogi who became the first modern guru and spiritual practice for crazy times, powerful tools to cultivate clarity, calm, and courage, his most recent book. He's an interfaith minister, spiritual counselor, public speaker, and workshop leader. So I'm very happy to introduce Philip to Louie. Welcome, Phil. Louie, great to meet you. Great to meet you, too. And congratulations on this terrific film. Um, since I'm uh, batting leadoff, uh, I thought I'd ask the uh, origin story. Um, mm. You've made a number of documentaries, including one I just coincidentally saw a couple of weeks ago, The Fabulous Fungi. And, and most of them are uh, kind of exquisitely filmed uh, documentaries centering on nature. So I'm curious how you came to a human quality like gratitude and whether there's 
a, a kind of evolution from your earlier work to this? Well, I think there's definitely a, a connection. It's a great question, Phil. I never thought about it, but you know, people have asked, like, you know, why do you make gratitude after fantastic fungi? And and the the, the sort of the short answer is when you think about fantastic fungi as a movie, it's a journey under the ground into nature's intelligence, into that wisdom. And and once you have that, you know, um aha moment or, you know, enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, what are you gonna do about it? How are you going to like implement that into your life? How are you going to take that wisdom and, and do something in terms of you know improving your relationship with your friends, your family, your community, the world? Um, you can't just have an insight <laughs> and then another insight and another insight and not activate, right? So I think that's really part of it. But the other part of it too is I'm, I think I make films that really honor and celebrate life. And so one way to look at that is to look at nature. And uh, another way to look at it is to look at people and culture and, and history and how all of that evolves because it's life. We are nature, you know. And so I can, you know, create a beautiful kind of metaphor by looking at the story of the butterflies, the story of the bees and how they migrate and and the... the, the um, intrinsic moral truth that's inside of all those stories, you know, but you do the same thing by taking a journey into someone's life and, and their soul. Uh, you get the same truth out of it. These are all, you know, examples of how life works. You know, when I, uh, before I saw the film, honestly, I expected uh, something dry uh, I expected a lot of talking heads with scientists who've done research on gratitude because I, I've done my own uh, right. writing about gratitude, and that's what I would come across a lot of. And, you know, studies about gratitude, I expected instructions on how to practice, you know, listing things you're grateful for and all this psychology today yeah. kind of stuff. Instead, I found a really aesthetically pleasing film with beautiful uh, cinematography. And the talking heads were, you know, including, you know, some people I know uh, were well chosen <laughs> and hardly boring. So my question to you is, what went into the choices of, of what to put on the screen and how to encourage yeah. gratitude in people in this way as opposed to the ways I was expecting? Yeah. Well, as, you, as I noted in the opening of the film, part of the reason I'm on that journey of gratitude is the fact my parents were Holocaust survivors. And then living under that roof, I learned a lot about you know, appreciating the little things in life, food over your head, food on the table, a steady job, the miracle of having children. So that's like really in my DNA. So because of that, what, what, is, what do my parents really represent? They represent resilience. They went through, you know, the worst, yet still had hope and love and joy in their life, you know? And so those are the stories I love to tell. And I've been like, Whenever I'm on the road, I would capture these like magic moments, these vignettes with remarkable, but, you know, quote unquote, ordinary people, they're not ordinary. They're just not celebrities, you know? And so 
if I could capture these examples of people who have passion, who people who've overcome adversity, but are living their life to the fullest with purpose, with love, with generosity. Those are the stories I was looking to, to tell. And I had no idea how it would come together in a sense as a mosaic. So thank you for saying what you said. It really touches me because I think what people expect, it would have been the talking head academic approach is that this, I'm going to learn about gratitude. How do I practice gratitude? What do I do? This film's going to tell me how to do it. The film does not tell you how to do it. The film takes you on a journey so that you can lean in and figure out your own context, your own truth, based on watching other people doing what they do in their life. A blues player, a rug weaver, you know, whatever. <laughs> a salsa dancer, a TV producer. You know, it's all good. And you, you get to hang out with these cool people. And it's up to you to figure out the meaning, the context, right? And that, that means you got to work. You got to, got to do a little work and lean into it. You know, um, I had, I just happened to have it here, but I got to, so one reviewer wrote something and it really touched me because of exactly what you pointed out. He said that what makes gratitude not only impactful, but worth to watch is the structure a refreshing, almost free-form skeleton that goes with the flow. And I love this line. A documentary acting within the concept it's exploring. Mm. That's a mind blower. A documentary acting, I mean, I, I can't put it in words like this, but a documentary acting within the concept it's exploring. The film itself is trying to answer the question, what is gratitude? And uh, one of the interesting things was along the way, you, you sort of focus on uh, certain uh, human qualities, curiosity, imagination, mm -hmm. courage, and others. And my initial reaction was, I thought this is about gratitude. Uh, and so it, the gratitude component is kind of implied and you, you, you find it through the courage and through the imagination, through the curiosity. I, I'd love to know what your thinking was yeah. when you structured it that way. Well, I think all of those for me are like building blocks that add up to gratitude. And the gratitude for me is the large umbrella. And, and they're all in, they're like gears that could be interlocked, like any editing. I could have moved things around in a lot of different ways because they all overlap. But, you know, wh whether you're, you know, whether it's generosity or being compassionate, forgiveness, love. I mean, it all kind of ends up with gratitude, you know. It's a part of gratitude. And gratitude is a part of courage and wonder and curiosity. They all interconnect. It's like one big gear with interlocking gears. Therefore, the film isn't just about gratitude. It's about all of that. And all of that enables gratitude to be experienced. That's a thank you for that. What surprised you, if anything, in the making of the film? Mm, that's a great question. Um, that, that it could, you know, that it could take me on a journey and that um, I'm still surprised when I watch it now. I'm watching it now. And like, I don't know what's coming up next. In terms of the story structure, remember I said how it's a it's a film it, looking for the answer in and of itself. 
I don't know where I'm going to go. The fact that I can do a right turn, a left turn, I'm in Appalachia. Next thing I'm in Sweden. Next thing I'm in Greenland. Next time I'm in a desert or you know, with a different person. You know, I'm in Maine. Um, wow. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Even I've watched it probably a hundred times and working on it, if not more. I'm always unsure where I'm going next. So it's not predictable, you know, and I think that surprised me that it could be um, engaging and you could tell a story. I think, I think we're kind of ready for it. I can tell that Cynthia looks younger than most of us, but the uh, Instagram, you know, short form, it can't be longer than 30 seconds uh, mindset of today, I think really appreciates the idea that I can go left, right, up and down, you know, and, and make a hard U-turn and like not have to explain why it does it takes you on a journey and i i have to say i appreciate um i appreciate uh as somebody who does a lot of interviewing for for mm-hmm. books in my podcast i know how hard it is to get certain people's attention <laughs> and to 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 find them and get them to uh, agree to be interviewed especially you know people of stature like norman lear and um but what I really appreciate is not just the effort that went into uh, well-known figures to get them on screen, but there were many more non-celebrities on camera. There were right. a lot of ordinary people, including right. the folks that go to Glide Memorial, which is one of the great great places yeah. on, on yeah. in the country. Um, yeah. Did you go looking for those people? Did they... How were you led to them? Well, you know, it's been a passion of mine. I did a series called America back in 2000. It's not around anymore, which is fine. <laughs> it was like Hallmark slash Hallney. Anyway, it was on the uh, the Family Channel, which was like the Odyssey Channel. So I had filmed a lot of these stories uh-huh. because of what I said earlier about my background. And the other part of that too, Phil, is that I was also really influenced, you know, coming out of college with, you know, with the 60s, with, you know, the, re, the, re, the rebirth of cities in America. After Burn Baby Burn, you know, everybody like left downtown. Now, then there was this resurgence of the yuppie hippie thing. So I saw cities from ashes come to rebirth. That's the story of the Holocaust, you know, with my parents. You know, that story turns me on. And so I was always looking for those kinds of stories, you know. And it was beautiful to see what was going on in America. You know, I love America. Like, you know, Baltimore, inner city, all these places becoming alive with young people and art and music and all of that. So whether it was a cityscape, you know, story or and that human being in that city, you know, the, the bike messenger, whoever it might be, it's like amazing, um, tiny metaphor or example of the greater energy like you see in the film there's a lobster fisherwoman or the appalachian woman she as an individual i think you could say represents that community or that region that vibe you know so instead of interviewing a hundred people or dozens i could just focus on one person and tell a really good story with that one person so you get the flavor of the food and the music, which we do, we have music in the background, everything but smell of vision, you know, and, and the visuals and the art and the wardrobe and, you know, the style. Everybody wants to have their own identity, their own community, their own, you know, history. 
their own culture. Nobody wants to be homogenized. That's what I learned from filming that series, you know, um, and that's beautiful. That's what makes America great, right? Diversity, all the differences. The fact that I could shoot so many different people and stay inside of the United States is a mind blower, right? Cajun speaking Patois and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people in Maine and cowboys and, in you know, all kinds of people. It's incredible. Thank you, Louis. I'm going to turn it over to the next. Uh, Bring on the next person. Batter. The next batter is up. Thank you so much, Phil for your insights. And I wanted to bring in Cynthia Ocelli. And I was so happy that she agreed to do the conversation and join us today. Cynthia is an accomplished author, mentor, life coach, and host of the Rewritten Podcast. And Cynthia has an amazing story. A former ninth grade dropout and welfare mom, Cynthia turned her life around and graduated from law school, built her dream business, and successfully raised two conscientious children. And she is a true American success story. She was honored by Bill Clinton at the 2016 DNC. And her story and her work have been featured by Toyota Shirox, Yoga Digest, Ashcroft Capital, Hay House Radio, and Unity Online Radio, both things <laughs> dear to my heart, the Huffington Post and People.com. And Cynthia works with a community of over 60,000 women, helping them rewrite their stories and recreate their lives. And she was inspired to do an incredible podcast episode on gratitude that you can hear on our gratitude page on mindbodyspirit.fm. And so when Tina and I heard Cynthia's episode, we definitely wanted her to be a part of the conversation today. So welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. I'm I'm so excited and happy to be here. I'm containing myself and using all of my discipline. This film, so I've had like a Louie week, okay? I have been, I had to get the backstory and then I had to understand it and then I had to understand the film and I ended up watching the film three times. And what was amazing, what was absolutely extraordinary was it met me where I was in my life differently every time. When I watched it the second Mm. time, I thought, that's not, they changed that. Did they put a new link up? I didn't see that. And today, when I watched it, I I just, I got to hold my heart together. It was so moving and beautiful. So detour from there so I don't blubber for you all. Louie, I'm such a fan. I think what you're doing is so incredibly valuable because it is a movement that is magnetic versus boundary drawing. And mm-hmm. it was so every aspect of it, you know, I, I'm a woman of color. I work with a lot of marginalized people. I've, I've endured a lot of challenges and othering in my life. And this film was so inclusive to meet you where you are, to not be aspirational, to be relatable and within reach. I could be different today. I, I could be right here where I am and not move a muscle and move, you know, uh, an eon in time and space. And so I love this assignment. I am changed and benefited. All my clients will be. So, Louie, I wanted to ask you, in your TED Talk, you called the film Happiness Revealed. And now that it's out, you've titled it Gratitude Revealed. What happened with the title? Why did it change? Well, you know, I mean, at first I thought I wanted to make a film about it. You know, I would call it happiness, you know, but the more you, you you dive into what 
does happiness mean? Happiness is is more of a a temporary thing, and gratitude is something that lasts a lot longer. I think, um, and I think that gratitude by far is what we say when we want to be happy. It what we really want is gratitude, uh, something that's deeper, something that isn't temporary, something that lasts forever. That's really good. And it, it's interesting. I think as we reveal uh, gratitude, we have happiness. And as we reveal happiness, we have gratitude. They seemed very uh, interconnected. Yeah. Um, so this is more about you. I'm, I'm curious about you and your process, because when I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> you make so many references in the film to allowing life to guide you, to let go, to ride the wave, to trust life. Is this how you create? Is this how you manage your career? Do you go with the flow and, and life guides and unfolds for you? Or do you plan and strategize and implement? Mm. I think, I think a little bit of both because, um, you know, as I think I've pioneered the business models of what I love to do, which is love to shoot film and capture the beauty of nature and make the invisible visible. But when I did that, coming out of film school, living in Mendocino, um, you know, there was no market for that. And I came back, you know, two or three years later to LA because, you know, filmmaking is a group effort after living off the grid, literally back then. No phone, no internet, no TV, no phone, nothing. All I had was U.S. mail. And so, anyways, coming back... um, I showed my work to like all the studio people and the networks. They went, oh, they'd never seen 35 millimeter, you know, time-lapse before. I mean, I pioneered that, you know, and I show them this gorgeous imagery and they go, oh my God, it's so beautiful, but we don't know what to do with it because you can't tell a story without conflict. And I went bullshit in my head, you know, and then immediately right after that, the advertisers saw my work and they realized, hey, this can grab your consciousness, uh, eyeballs, uh-huh. Duh, way ahead of the game. You know, that's the name of the game is grabbing your attention. And so that evolved into me pioneering the largest contemporary stock library, became the cornerstone to Getty Images acquired. That's just you know, one example of how if, if the route's not there, I make my own route, you know, but it's based on what I love to do. It's not like here's a business plan or here's a business media opportunity that I can see into the future. It's more like, create the art and then when you get blocked which (laughs) happens all the time then you like a salmon going upstream you just you know jump over that rock or swim around the rock if you have to and then be creative about it because it's not drudgery i mean we just launched the louis channel which is like you know uh, ott streaming like a netflix hbo you can get it on your smart tv roku apple tv i mean that's a major breakthrough and I'm doing the same thing. I'm aggregating my imagery and other people's imagery that celebrate life. And there is no, think about it, there's no platform for it. There's no cable channel. There's no nothing today. So I, I created it. Not a big deal. You could say it's a big deal or it's a no deal, but I'm on the same ball field with HBO and Disney Plus, And I'm going to offer just positive energy, celebration of life and see what happens. That just seems, you know, like creating an entirely new reality out of nothing 
And you did that sort of as a singular effort with your very intense focus. And a lot of people dream of being able to do that. As you did this, as you've persevered through decades, did you always have a knowing that this is right and that you are going to get where you want to go? Or did you struggle sometimes and feel like, I hope this works? Definitely struggled all the time when you get rejected. There's no doubt about it. But again, it all starts off with with your passion. And then when you have that, you're unstoppable. And then there are the obstacles. You know, and you can be very Zen Buddhist about it, that every obstacle is a lesson, (laughs) something that you need to learn, you know. Or for me, a lot of it was knowing what my parents went through. And I'm going, are you kidding me? It's fucking nothing, you know. I got rejected. You know, I got turned down. You know, I mean, so what, right? So I use both of that. I use both of that. Like, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't, it's, it's, yeah, perseverance, resilience is what science has discovered is the benefits you get from practicing gratitude. There you go. You know what I mean? People bounce back better. I mean, scientific evidence shows that people that practice gratitude, they don't get bummed out as long. You know, they, resilience is critical. What is resilience? Knowing how to survive. And, and, what, and then again, going back to my parents, on my mom's headstone, it says survivor. That's beautiful. So on the topic of resilience, what do you think is the thing or the quality that determines whether a person emerges from real crisis better and not bitter? What is that? That's a great question. Wow. Again, I think learning to embrace that all those situations are a learning experience. And in the Zen mode of thinking that you're grateful for it. You know, we heard like Jack, you know, Michael Beckwith in the film say, you know, there's you know, little things that, you know, there are obstacles and the bigger ones and then the bigger ones. And, and it's not easy to accept these obstacles and challenges as a gift in order to um, become a deeper, more caring human being. So if you look at it that way, then you don't get bitter about it. It's certainly better than yeah. being bitter if I had to pick between oh, the absolutely. two. No doubt about right? that. And, and you've proven that. Yeah. I'd rather have it be a lesson that I need to understand. And you certainly had models for that, like powerful, real yeah. powerful models. So for me, as I said, I'm a woman of color. I work with marginalized people. I'm curious, you have this, you go out into the world as this sort of ambassador of connection and oneness, and it just exudes off of you and you pick up everything in your Mm -hmm. flow. How do you handle or how do you manage when you, if you encounter people who are not receptive or not open because of your heritage? Not as open to like me feeling alive? You mean, or not open to? Well, maybe much. you don't. You don't have this experience, and maybe that's you know a testament to how you've structured your life. I'm thinking right. of in in my world, for example, there are times when I am automatically judged just because someone holds negativity toward my race, or you know someone's religion, or a, new, a myriad of things. And as I said, right. you have this inclusive sort of magnetic movement. You're not bordering. You're not disciplining. You're not correcting. You're not righting wrongs. You're you're drawing. Right. So how do you and and I guess this is kind of similar to your love for nature. You're this the voice for the 
the creatures without voices. And then you see atrocities happen in nature and you're not running out there and, and sitting in the tree to stop it. You're pulling people to, to discover the love they have. Right. Yeah. So you inside, what's your process? Well, I definitely want people to fall in love with nature in order to protect it. And so that's why my films are beautiful. They're not pretty for pretty's sake or superficial because the beauty part is to turn you on emotionally so that you will fall in love and then it'll be um, unconditional love. It'll do whatever it takes to protect. I don't have to tell people that the ice cap is melting and that, you know, there's pollution in the sky because, you know, I don't have to tell people don't throw away paper. If you fall in love with the trees and my time-lapse plants, you don't toss away paper because it hurts, not because you're supposed to do it, not because there's a sign that says recycle. So that's, I think, number one. And then the first part of your question, how do you reach those people? You have to build a bridge to people that like put you off in the beginning because you know what? We put them off too, you know, and you have to find that, that connection. So when I deal with people about the environment, which I care a lot about, instead of, you know, being, all-knowing and elitist and saying, you should do this or you should do that. You find a connection. You say, look, we want the best for our children, right? We want them to live a long, beautiful life, right? Okay, well, how do we, how do we you know, create that environment for them? And, and don't, don't you want them to go duck hunting, you know, with you and, and fishing and, 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 and do all the things that you enjoy doing? Well, guess what? You know, we, we got to be aware that you know, the pesticide runoff from these fields are coming down to the lake. But you start off there. You don't come on as the expert because that's the, the culture war thing we're happening right now is that we react like, oh, Louis Schwartzberg, Jewish environmentalist from Hollywood, ding, done. I'm not going to talk to that guy in a million years. You know, totally shut down. Look at Norman Lear, who I love in, in my movie. He used comedy to teach people about race and bigotry by falling in love with Archie, who was a bigot. What a genius move. Instead of saying, there's bigotry. People really got it with all in the family. You know, and I get, I get chills thinking about it, you know, with, you know, Rob Reiner being the hippie, you know, anti-war guy and then arguing about it and putting each other down. It made people realize how ridiculous, you know, all these like arguments are in this culture war trip. We're going through it right now. Yeah, definitely a genius. And again, so relatable, so accessible and magnetic, no resistance. And I I thought that was really, really beautifully. It's a judo, it's a judo (laughs) move. He used comedy. I use beauty, you know, whether you fall in love with something or you laugh, those are the two most powerful emotional avenues to get to the heart. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, okay, so just uh, just two things, just a couple of little questions. Um, do you ever have bad days? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, I mean, we all recognize we're humans, you know, we're spiritual beings in the human yeah. body and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I... But I've learned to use gratitude as a way to pull me out of it. 
And the reason why it's so fantastic is that no matter where I am and what I'm doing, I can just take that pause and for the moment go, what can I be grateful for? I'm breathing. Yeah. You know, I've got five fingers that move. I tell that to people all the time because it stops literally the rumination in your brain of the negative thoughts that are going through. You can't be doing that simultaneously while expressing gratitude for something that you really care about. So you have this incredible genius tool without being a meditator, without being a Tibetan monk, without being a yogi or anything. Can you do this? Can you simply just express what you're grateful for in the moment? You know, that guy feel the wind on my face. Look at the, look at the flower growing in a crack in the sidewalk. How cool is that? You know, what can I be grateful for? I got kids, whatever. I mean, just, and you do it. And that pulls me out of it. And then I can kind of get a perspective on where my head was that I was spiraling in this negative thoughts about problems that, you know, maybe are probably literally in my head. <laughs> Absolutely. Where else are they if they're not in my yeah. head? And whether they're valid or not doesn't matter, but it's definitely in my head. Maybe I'll put that on pause for a moment to get some perspective and peace of mind. Oh, fantastic. Okay. I know I, I need to wrap up. This is more of a curiosity. I know you're doing yes. the Louis channel now and it is, I'm excited. Yeah. And I was really excited because I come from Pacific Grove. So Butterfly Town, USA. Mm. And the monarch is our everything. And I saw that on your logo, there is one monarch. And I just wanted to know, you have seen all of the creatures. Why? Why is there a monarch on the, the Louis Channel logo? A lot of reasons. I love the monarch. Longest migration of any butterfly on the planet. And think about the fact that, like, in, in you know, they come to Mexico to winter. You know, they save their, 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 their fat and storage. And then they make this incredible migration where they leave in, let's say, January, February. They go up through the middle of America, mostly, they branch off towards Big Sur, Pacific Grove, and a small group towards Atlanta. But they go on this migration to Canada, and they reproduce along the way. And so the grandchildren, sometimes the great-grandchildren of the monarchs that left Mexico 2,000 miles, make the return trip back to the same exact acres. <laughs> Without, you know, and we have no idea how they know how to do it because there's wind, there's all these variables. It's not like I'm going to go due north or due south and get there. So the fact that there's that genius wrapped into the size of a brain that's smaller than a pinhead that can have their grandchildren come back to the same place where their ancestors came from is a really inspiring yeah. story yeah. Of, of, I think, resilience. And survival. Yeah. I, as I as you said that, I was like, "Yep, there's his resilience, his beauty, his tenacity, his creativity, his oneness." That there it is. So that's perfect. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you, Cynthia, for your insight. And it's such a small guy. They are. They are. It's <laughs> incredible what that. they can do with their metamorphosis. How they can totally just change within uh, the chrysalis mm -hmm. and then reemerge. Well, I, I picked it also because, you know, of any insect, quote unquote, or even animal, it's the greatest example of, of uh, inspiring art and music and beauty, the idea of metamorphosis. Oh, gorgeous. You know, um, there is no other story in nature that is more elegant that can inspire you about changing your life and being one thing and turning into a pool of 
jelly and then coming out as a butterfly. Wow. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Louie. Thank you for talking with me. It's so miraculous. And thank you for your insights, Cynthia. And I'm really curious to hear what yeah. uh, Dr. Stephen Farmer has to say. So he's our last up in our conversation, our discussion today. And Dr. Stephen Farmer is the host of the Dr. Stephen Farmer podcast, Healing for Your Soul. And he's a best-selling author, licensed psychotherapist, somatic therapist, ordained minister, former college professor, and shamanic healer. And his status as a spiritual leader and psycho-spiritual healer is the result of his in-depth studies of spiritual transformation, trauma recovery, shamanism, and energy psychology. And Dr. Stephen Farmer is the author of the mm. best-selling Power Animals, How to Connect with Your Animal Spirit Guides, Power Animal Oracle Cards, and Sacred Ceremony, How to Create Ceremonies for Healing, Transitions, and Celebrations, as well as several other books articles and oracle card decks. If I would have named them all, it would have been a long, <laughs> a long list. And in addition to his literary work, Dr. Farmer hosts workshops on topics related to animal spirit guides, soul healing, shamanism, and earth-centered spirituality. And welcome Stephen, his dulcet tones, joining us for the conversation. Well, Diane, <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm very impressed. <laughs> But uh, even as impressed as I would say, Louis, your film, uh, first off, I just want to thank you for all the effort I'm sure it took to put that film together in such a uh, such a creative way, too. I think that's I really admire any kind of art that has that. Wow, that's different. You know, that's that's got a little different twist to it, that sort of thing, no matter what the actual artistic expression is. Right. Um, I was also thinking, I, you know, several thoughts that would pop up, but I have some questions, of course, for you, Louis. Uh, I was thinking something that Wayne Dyer said. Oh, God, I heard him talk one time at a, a Church of Religious Science back oof, more years than I care to count right now. But it was a while back. And I just the one takeaway I had from his talk, I thought really says it all, is that um, there is these darkness in the world. And those of us who are working in the light need to bring, keep bringing that up in some way, you know, mm -hmm. metaphor and literally. Otherwise, the darkness overtakes. Mm -hmm. So I, that really spoke to me. And still, I get chills. It still speaks to me. It's like, what can we do? You know, allowing that, you know, I allow that uh, if I forget this, I'm reminded from time to time, I'm an imperfect human being. You know, there is no such thing as perfection in my way of thinking about human being. It was pretty good, but not perfect. You know, that's a little different. And in the in allowing for those imperfections, I allow also for periods of uh, suffering. You know, and I mean, not just whining, <laughs> by the way. Oh, my God, somebody took my parking right. place, you know, but really, you know, really suffering, you know, experiencing loss, you know, is, is a big one. Um. I also think that I was thinking about this this morning, knowing we're going to be doing this is when I go through a period of darkness like that, and I, and whether it's a, a, an hour or, you know, four days or 20 days, doesn't matter, but can I get to this place where I can look at that experience and be grateful? So I'm going to throw that question out to you. Just any thoughts you have about that, because 
we do go through dark periods. It's just part of the right. deal, you know, when we signed yeah. on. Yeah. I think, you know, Jack Kornfield in the film, you know, had a great line, you know, talking about, you know, that, you know, suffering, you know, it opens your heart and makes you a better human being, you know. Uh, but don't worry. Um, you don't, you know, you don't have to pray for it. It will come. Um, <laughs> I think that it that's so powerful. You know, it, it does make you have a bigger heart, you know, having to go through that. You know, obviously it develops comp- compassion. And gives you a greater insight to what is joy, you know, to have that uh, spectrum from one extreme to the other. Um, but if, if everything is just like, you know, Pollyanna, happy, go lucky, then no, then you're not going to become a really deep, you know, heartfelt human being. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, the other thing is how to... How to, how to make that movement, you know, once you've had that dark period, how do you bring yourself back to gratitude? How do you, how do you express that appreciation? Thank you for the teachings. Thank you for the life. Right. And I think right. you addressed this in, in one of the previous questions. I did. And I think I, what I, but what I love is it's so simple. Just think of one thing you can be grateful for. I mean, people, you know, know about the fact that, you know, journaling is really important and, you know, write three things down, you know, every day when in the morning or the evening, or how about when you brush your teeth, that'd be another cool one to do to turn that into a practice. But that's really the way it helps. And the greater good science center at UC Berkeley have studies that show that it does help. Um, Dean Ornish has done stuff, I think with oncology units at UCSD to show that it can help people with cardiovascular problems. So I'm a big firm believer, but I love the idea that, Look, I have it in my back pocket. As soon as I feel myself, you know, going into a deep spiral and really feeling down, I'm going to just, you know, switch and go back to being great. What am I grateful for? And we can all do it. And it's it's so easy to do. And it really just, it's a miracle that you can put, you know, everything on pause, if not even better. Right. You know, you can't get to better until you go on pause. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. You can't go rewind, fast forward. You got to go to stop and then forward. And so that really helps me a lot. It just completely helps me. And and then I realize, like it's in the movie, I did that little animation thing with Jack Cornfield. I had this really simple idea. Like if you have a bucket that's filled with negative energy, there's no room for positive energy to go into it. Mm-hmm. It's like your hard drive is full, right? Yeah. So what do you got to do? You got to like, let go and get rid of that negative stuff, you know? And and until you do that, there's no room for the good stuff to come in. Or if you fill the bucket up with good stuff, your hard drive, then maybe there's no room for the negative stuff to enter. Yeah, let's keep it at about 10%, though, as much as possible. (laughs) Thank you, Life. You know, keep it at 10%. Um, The other thing, I, you know, just watching the film and also just reading, you know, some things about gratitude – I came across, I did, uh, the podcast I contributed had this uh, in it. It's a, it's a little abstract. I don't think it's really scientifically proven in this way. But here's the, here's the logic of it, uh, Louis, is uh, that we're all energy, okay? And that we, in a sense, vibrate at certain um, frequencies. And so I uh, came across these scales that would describe from uh, darker emotions all the way up to joy, et cetera, et cetera. And 
the pieces that I found in two of these was very interesting that love and gratitude were like right neck and neck. Mm. I found that so fascinating as far as, again, the vibrational frequency that uh, various ones said anywhere from, I think, 450 megahertz up to 540. Right. But, and one even said it's the same, you know, 540 megahertz. So uh, there is this quality, this vibrational quality, which, again, is a little bit abstract, but this vibrational quality, I think we experience it as as emotion, you know, as, as feelings. Sure. And uh, I am one a real proponent of get in touch with your body. See what's going on down there. You know, <laughs> you know what's happening in your heart. Where's the constriction? Where's the, the tension, etc.? And do what you can to release that so you can move into gratitude. Anyway, I'll just throw that out to you. Just a, a, there's there's a question there somewhere, but I'm not sure the question to ask. But uh, any thoughts you have about that, especially gratitude and love? I found that really intriguing. Yeah. Well, I think gratitude is something you feel in your heart. That's why I say it's more longer lasting than um, happiness or joy. You know, those are, you know, they're all similar emotions. Um, yeah. No, yeah, well, but the other part is, you know, Heart Math Institute, they, they study heart rate, you know, variability. So what you're right. saying, I totally get it. I, I saw a video, they had like a, a dog and, and, and the little boy and, you know, they, before they entered the room, you know, the heart rates would like, all over the place and then they come into the room and eventually you'll see this like pattern settle in on their heart rate bingo i was sold you know yeah 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 and you know uh play that's the other thing i think uh, came up yesterday in talking with the client you know is how the importance of play you know lighten up yeah. or uh, the saying yeah. goes you know those of you who seek enlightenment lighten up yeah. you know <laughs> dance you know, uh, supposedly uh, Angelus Arian, whose ancestor, uh, did a training with her, and she talked about going to, you know, pulling together indigenous uh, teachings. Says when you go to see a shaman, in general, uh, four different questions a shaman will ask is, "When did you stop singing? Right. When did you stop dancing? Right. When did you stop being enchanted by stories? And right. when did you stop listening to the sweet sound of silence?" Yeah. And the answers to that, you know, provides a prescription. You know, I love that. It's so simple. You know, it's so simple. Get up and dance, sing, et cetera, et cetera, and be grateful. The other piece, I just want to add one thing, and then I'm going to shut up because I know you're on a time limit here, is a lot of times if I forget what really helps me is something really simple. Thank you for this breath. That's that's gratitude. Thank you. Gratitude. you <laughs> Bottom line. Same thing. Thank yeah, you for thank being you for this breath. Thank you for this life. If you yeah. can't come up with that in a moment then then you're really in trouble <laughs> thanks for this breath yeah you're alive yeah. dude come on <laughs> yeah all right thanks louis thank you i'll i'll turn it over sure. back to you diane thank you so much for your work appreciate it well this has been so amazing to hear everybody's reaction and and to hear all of your incredible questions i was so moved by the film and to think of gratitude in a new and, and different way. I mean, I was really moved by the the women in prison using laughter and Cynthia was so great to bring that part up and, and mentioning Norman Lear, who's I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Norman Lear, the cliff dancers I loved and, and also the incredible poem that was shared by NQ. And I had to look this up to see who he was because I was so moved by that even, even to tears. 
great conversation. If you'd yeah. like to find out more about the Gratitude Revealed film and director Louis Schwartzberg, please visit gratituderevealed.com and all the information is right there. If you'd like to find out more about our panelists and podcast hosts today, just visit mindbodyspirit.fm and check out our gratitude page where you'll see over 25 of our show hosts sharing how gratitude can change your life. And we plan on adding more. So keep coming back and make sure you, sh- you sign up for our email list and stay in touch with us. And I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Great questions. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we invite you to visit our network and listen to more than 50 amazing shows on the fastest-growing Mind Plus Body Plus Spirit podcast network at mindbodyspirit.fm. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.